0: hey guys welcome back to the second episode um, of the world history series hope you enjoyed the first one and today we will be talking about the early civilizations from the period between uh, 3500 and 600 BCE so let's jump in by 3000 BCE, katal the agricultural city discussed in the previous episode, had become part of a civilization. Although many of the characteristics of the civilization had existed by 6000 or 5000 BCE in this Middle Eastern region, the origins of civilization, strictly speaking, approximately date to only 3500 BCE. From this point on, to roughly 1000 BCE, the emergence of several civilization centers defined key developments in world history more generally. The first civilization arose in the Middle East along the banks of the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, another center of civilization started soon thereafter in northeast Africa, Egypt and a third by around 2500 BCE, along the banks of the Indus River in northwestern India. These three early centers of civilization had some interaction. The fourth early civilization center arose in China along the Yellow River, although a bit later and more separately. A fifth center would emerge in Central America, though it was not river-based. After the rise of agriculture, the introduction of civilization as a form of human organization was a crucial step for many people. Civilization first developed in Mesopotamia after about 3500 BCE, on the heels of several changes in technology and communication. This form of human organization spread to several other places and separately developed in China and Central America. Human organization along civilization lines did not emerge everywhere at the same time, and many regions, even some successful agricultural economies, avoided it altogether at least until much more recently. Hunting and gathering in nomadic societies lacked the economic surplus necessary to develop civilization and often actively disliked the constraints they saw in civilization as well. Civilizations normally demonstrated four distinctive features, operating powerfully in combination. First, they developed greater amounts of economic surplus beyond subsistence needs, and beyond substance needs, and they distribute this surplus unequally. This provided funds for new kinds of monuments. It also heightened social inequalities compared to other non-civilized kinds of societies. Second, um, civilizations developed formal governments with at least small bureaucracies. Leadership thus became more specialized than in simpler agricultural or nomadic societies. Third, almost all civilizations, including all the early ones, had writing. This facilitated trade over long distances by facilitating standardized communication It enhanced record-keeping, which aided both commerce and bureaucracy. And fourth, they developed larger and more important urban center- centers as cities emerged as concentrations of populations. In agricultural civilizations, most people lived in the countryside, and most people remained illiterate. But cities and writing were nonetheless influential in shaping societies with different characteristics from those of the earliest agricultural settlements. There are problems with the definition of civilization. Some scholars prefer to use a smaller number of criteria which would allow other societies, those that had surpluses and some formal leadership, for example, but not cities in writing, to be included as civilizations. More serious is the common connotation of civilization as being better than other systems of human organization. Leaders of early civilizations often argued that their way of life was more cultivated than that of non-civilized peoples, barbarians, around them. But people in civilizations could be cruel and rude. To groups such as North American Indians encountering Europeans in the 17th century, the behavior of the civilized, including drinking and violently spanking children, seemed far cruder than their own, whose habits and capacities for emotional control were often quite refined. Civilization, as meaning greater impulse control, should not be included in the definition of civilization as a form of human organization. The two meanings might, but also might very well not, overlap. Civilizations also increased human impact on the environment, another arguably bad result. For example, the first center of copper production... In Europe, along the Danube Valley, led to such deforestation that the fuel supply was destroyed, and the industry collapsed after about 3000 BCE. The extensive agriculture needed to support Indus River cities opened the land to erosion and flooding because of overuse of the soil and removal of trees is the term civilization too misleading with its implications of progress and superiority is there another term that would be more accurate while still covering the important organizational changes involved one final caution areas where early civilization developed covered only a tiny portion of the inhabited parts of the world although they were the most densely populated the early civilizations all clustered in key river valleys were, in a way, pilot tests of the new form of social organization. Only after about 1000 BCE did a more consistent process of development and spread of civilization begin. However, the great civilizations unquestionably built on the achievements of the river valley pioneers, so some understanding of this contribution to the list of early human accomplishments is essential. Tigris, Tigris Euphrates Civilization As new organizational forms, the earliest civilizations introduced innovation that most of us now take for granted. Writing, formal codes of law, city planning, and architecture, and institutions for trade, including the use of money. Once developed, most of these building blocks of human organization did not have to be reinvented, although in some cases they spread only slowly to other parts of the world. It is not surprising, then, given its lead in agriculture, metalworking, and village structure, that the Middle East generated the first example of human civilization. Indeed, the first civilization founded in the valley of the Tigris and Euphrates rivers in a part of the Middle East long called Mesopotamia forms one of only a few cases of civilization developed absolutely from scratch and with no examples from any place to imitate. By 4000 BCE, the farmers of Mesopotamia were familiar with bronze and copper working and had already invented the wheel for transportation. They had a well-established pottery industry and interesting artistic forms. Farming in this area, because of the need for irrigation, required considerable coordination among communities, and this in turn served as a basis for complex political structures. By about 3500 BCE, A people who had recently invaded this region, the Sumerians, developed a cuneiform system, the first known case of human writing. Their system at first used different pictures to represent various objects, but soon shifted to the use of geometric shapes to symbolize spoken sounds. Early Sumerian writing may have had as many as 2,000 such symbols, but this number was later reduced to about 300, as later people adapted the system for their own languages. Even so, writing and reading remained a complex skills, which only, had, which only few had time to master. Scribes wrote on clay tablets, using styluses shaped quite like the modern ballpoint pen. Sumerian art developed steadily as statues and painted frescoes were used to adorn the temples of the gods. Statues of the gods also decorated individual homes. Sumerian science aided a complex agricultural society as people sought to learn more about the movement of the sun and stars, thus founding the science of astronomy, and improved their mathematical knowledge. The Sumerians employed a system of numbers based on units of 10, 60, and 360 that we still use in calculating circles and hours. In other words, Sumerians and their Successors in Mesopotamia created patterns of observation and abstract thought about nature that a number of civilizations, including our own, still rely on, and they also introduced specific systems, such as charts of major constellations, that have been in use, at least among educated people, for 5,000 years, not only in the Middle East, but by later imitation in India and Europe as well. Sumerians developed complex religious rituals, Each city had a patron god and erected impressive shrines to please and honor this and other deities. Massive towers, called ziggurats, formed the first monumental architecture in this civilization. Professional priests operated these temples and conducted the rituals within. Sumerians believed in many powerful gods, for the nature on which their agriculture depended often seemed swift and unpredictable. Prayers and offerings to prevent floods as well as to protect good health were a vital part of Sumerian life. Sumerian ideas about the divine force in natural objects in rivers, trees, and mountains were common among early agricultural peoples, a religion of this sort, which sees gods in many aspects of nature, is known as polytheism. More specifically, Sumerian religious notions, notably their ideas about the gods' creation of the earth from water and about the divine punishment of humans through floods, later influenced the writers of the Old Testament and thus continued to play a role in Jewish, Christian, and Muslim cultures. Sumerian religious ideas also included a belief in an afterlife of punishment, an original version of the concept of hell. Sumerian political structures stressed tightly organized city-states, ruled by a king who claimed divine authority. The Sumerian state had carefully defined boundaries unlike the less formal territories of pre-civilized villages in the region. Here is a key early example of how civilization and a more formal political structure came together. The government helped regulate religion and enforce its duties, it also provided a court system in the interests of justice. Kings were originally military leaders during times of war, and the function of defense and war, including leadership of a trained army, remained vital in Sumerian politics. Kings and the noble class, along with the priesthood, controlled considerable land, which was worked by slaves. Thus, it began a tradition of slavery that long marked Middle Eastern societies. Warfare remained vital to ensure supplies of slaves taken as prisoners during combat. At the same time, slavery was in a variable state of existence, and many slaves were able to earn money and even buy their freedom. Mesopotamian civilization developed a strongly patriarchal family structure. By 3000 BCE, only men were shown as wielding a plow in Middle Eastern art. Laws insisted that women remain sexually faithful, but they granted greater latitude to men. Women had a few legal protections, at least in principle. Husbands were supposed to support their wives, and wives could legitimately leave if the support failed. Outside the law, customs developed, particularly in the cities, that further marked off women. By 2000 BCE, veiling a respectable woman became common, in order to shield them from the eyes of men outside their family. The Sumerians added to their region's agricultural prosperity not only by using wheeled carts, but also by learning about fertilizers and adopting silver as a means of exchange for buying and selling, an early form of money. However, the region was also hard to defend and proved a constant temptation to outside invaders from Sumerian times to present. The Sumerians themselves fell to a people called the Akkadians around 2400 BCE the akkadians continued much of sumerian culture it was an akkadian king sargon who came to be the first identifiable figure in world history in terms of surviving records he unified the empire and added to sumerian art the theme of royal victory sargon maintained 5400 troops a larger professional army than had existed before akkadians sent troops as far as egypt and ethiopia After about 200 years, another period of decline was followed by conquest by the Babylonians, who extended their own empire and thus helped bring civilization to other parts of the Middle East. It was under Babylonian rule that the king Hammurabi introduced the most famous early code of law, boasting of his purpose to promote the welfare of the people Me, Hammurabi, the devout God-fearing prince, to cause justice to prevail in the land, to destroy the wicked and the evil, that the strong might not oppress the weak. Hammurabi's code established rules of procedure for courts of law and regulated property rights and the duties of family members, setting harsh punishments for crimes. For many centuries, during and after the heyday of Babylon, Middle Eastern societies were troubled by the invasions of hunting and herding groups. Indo-European peoples pressed in from the north, starting about 2100 BCE. In the Middle East itself, invasions by Semitic peoples from the south were more important, and Semitic people and languages increasingly dominated the region. The new arrivals adopted the culture of the conquered peoples as their own, so the key features of the civilization persisted. But large political units declined in favor of smaller city-states or regional kingdoms, particularly during the centuries of greatest turmoil between 1200 and 900 BCE. Thereafter, new invaders, first the Assyrians and then the Persians, created large new empires in the Middle East. Egyptian Civilization A second center of civilization sprang up north in northern Africa, along the Nile River. Egyptian civilization formed by 3000 BCE benefited from the trade and technological influence of Mesopotamia, but it produced quite a different society and culture. Less open to invasion, Egypt retained a unified state throughout most of its history. With some fluctuations, the kingdom lasted almost 3000 years, although its period of greatest vitality had passed by 1000 BCE. Farming had developed along the Nile by about 5000 BCE. But economic activity increased before 3200, in part because of greater trade with Mesopotamia. This acceleration provided the basis for the formation of regional kingdoms and soon a unified empire along the Great River. Because of its early unity and its cohesion along the banks of the Nile, Egypt had fewer problems with political unity than Mesopotamia did. The king, or pharaoh, possessed immense power. The Egyptian economy was more fully government-directed than its Mesopotamian counterpart, which had a more independent business class. Government control may have been necessary because of the complexity of coordinating irrigation along the Nile. It nonetheless resulted in godlike status for the pharaohs, who built splendid tombs for themselves, the pyramids, from 2700 BC on. During periods of weak rule and occasional invasions, Egyptian society suffered a decline, but revivals kept the framework of Egyptian civilization intact until after 1000 BCE. At key points, Egyptian influence spread up the Nile to the area now known as Sudan, with an impact on the later development of African culture. The Kingdom of Kush interacted with Egypt and invaded it at some points. Neither Egyptian science nor the Egyptian alphabet was as elaborate as its Mesopotamian equal, although mathematics was more advanced in the civilization. Egyptian art was exceptionally lively, cheerful, and colorful pictures decorated not only the tombs where the belief in an afterlife made people want to be surrounded by objects of beauty, but also palaces and furnishings. Egyptian architectural forms were also quite influential, not only in Egypt but in other parts of the Mediterranean as well. Egyptian mathematics produced the idea of a day divided into 24 hours, and here too, Egypt influenced the development of later Mediterranean cultures. The most famous Egyptian art form was, of course, the pyramid, which the pharaohs built to house themselves and their families after death. The largest pyramid required labor forces of up to 100,000 people, and they were amazing achievements given the state of Egyptian technology. Workers rolled the huge stones, weighing more than five tons, over longs- logs and onto Nile barges. The pyramids attested to royal power. They also illustrated Egypt's ability to generate agricultural surpluses and to command a labor force. Egypt interacted periodically with the Middle East, but the contacts were not very influential in either direction. Egypt's interactions with the upper reaches of the Nile, deeper into Africa, were more significant. After about 1570 BCE, in the final main phase of the Great Kingdoms, Egypt also expanded trade with the islands of the eastern Mediterranean, which extended the empire's influence to southern Europe, particularly in terms of monumental art, but also in the area of mathematics. Comparing Egypt and Mesopotamia Comparisons in politics, culture, economics, and society suggest that the two civilizations varied substantially because of largely separate origins and environments. The distinction in overall tone was striking, with Egypt more stable and optimistic than Mesopotamia, not only in its beliefs about gods and the afterlife, but also in the colorful and lively pictures the Egyptians emphasized in their decorative art. The distinction in internal history was also striking— Egyptian civilization was far less marked by disruption than its Mesopotamian counterpart. Egypt and Mesopotamia differed in many ways, thanks to variations in geography, exposure to outside invasion and influence, and different beliefs. Despite trade and war, they did not imitate each other much. Egypt emphasized strong central authority, whereas Mesopotamian politics shifted more often over a substructure of regional city-states. Mesopotamian art focused on less monumental structures and embraced a literary element that Egyptian art lacked. The economies differed as well. Mesopotamia developed more technological improvements because the environment was more difficult to manage than the Nile Valley. Trade contacts were more wide-ranging, and the Mesopotamians gave considerable attention to a merchant class and commercial law. Social differences between the two civilizations are less obvious because we have less information on daily life for this early period. It is probable, though, that the status of women was higher in Egypt than in Mesopotamia, where women's position seems to have deteriorated after Sumer. Egyptians seem to have paid great respect to women, at least in the upper classes, in part because marriage alliances were vital to the preservation and stability of the monarchy. Vivid love poetry indicated a high regard for emotional relations between men and women. Also, Egyptian religion included more pronounced deference to goddesses as sources of creativity. Egyptians did not practice female infanticide, the killing of baby girls, which most societies used for population control. Differences were not the whole story. As river valley civilizations, Egypt and Mesopotamia shared important features. Both emphasized social stratification, with the noble land-owing class at the top, and masses of peasants and slaves at the bottom. A powerful priestly group also figured in the elite. Although specific achievements in science differed, both civilizations emphasized astronomy and related mathematics and produced durable findings about units of time and measurement. Both Mesopotamia and Egypt changed slowly by more modern standards. Having developed successful political and economic systems, both societies tended strongly toward conservation. Change, when it came, usually was brought by outside forces, natural disasters, or invasions. Finally, both civilizations left important heritages in their regions and adjacent territories— Several smaller civilization centers were launched under the impetus of Mesopotamia in Egypt, and some produced important innovations of their own by about 1,000 BCE. River Valley Civilization in India River Valley civilizations developed in two other centers. Early civilization in the northeastern part of the Indian subcontinent, today known as Pakistan, developed impressive urban structures. Trade with the Middle East was active. The civilization ultimately did not endure, however, and for various reasons, including the inability to decipher the writing system, less is known about this society than about Egypt or Mesopotamia. Early civilization in China cropped up a bit later and is also shrouded in some mystery, but this society transmitted cultural values more directly to subsequent Chinese history than was the case in any other region, so it deserves attention. A prosperous urban civilization emerged along the indus river by 2500 bce supporting several large cities including harappa here was another case where contacts helped support the expansion of early civilization harappa had extensive trade relations with mesopotamia harappa featured elaborate urban facilities with houses benefiting from running water toilets in fact Connected to citywide drainage systems were perhaps the first humans ever were perhaps the first that humans ever invented. The important trading contacts with Mesopotamia did not prevent the development of a distinctive alphabet and artistic forms. The large cities, including Harappa itself, contained buildings that were probably for religious ceremonies or community assemblies. Public baths were also available. Governments stored grain for times of shortage and for festival days. Trade was extensive, and precious stones from China and Southeast Asia have been found. Priests had great power in the civilization, serving as intermediaries between the people and the gods and goddesses who were believed to control fertility. For all their achievements, the Harappan people seem to have been somewhat conservative, Although they used bronze, they did not keep up with the tools available in Mesopotamia, even though they had contact with this area. Notably, they did not manufacture swords, relying on bronze-tipped arrows instead. They became vulnerable to attack. Harappa remains something of a mystery. Its ruins began to be discovered only in the mid-19th century, when it became clear that this had been a major center of ancient civilization, but also rather unlike what later developed in India, for example, in terms of the styles of writing. We also do not fully know what caused the civilization to gradually decline after about 1500 BCE. The decline resulted from several factors, including massive flooding, invasions, and even more. Even more migrations by cattle herding people, the Indo-Europeans probably challenged the control of the priestly group. Some violence was involved, and skeletons with crushed skulls and impostures of flight, either from invaders or from floods, have been found. Environmental changes were almost certainly a greater problem, with the excessive forest cutting leading to the creation of desert conditions and saltier soils. Historians continue to debate how the factors involved compare with other cases of civilization decline. The Harappan, de- the Harappan decline resulted in such complete destruction of this culture that Indo Europeans were not initially interested in cities, that we know little about its nature or its subsequent influence on India. It remains true that civilization never had to be fully reinvented in India. The Indo-European migrants combined their religious and political ideas with those that had been taken root in the early cities. In recent times, Indians' pride in their early civilized history has become an important part of their natural identity. The fall of Harappa was followed by a long transitional period in the history of the Indian subcontinent. This period is sometimes called the Vedic and Epic Ages because important cultural development is centered on the creation of elaborate epic poems. During these centuries, from about 1500 to 700 BCE, Aryan, or Indo-European, migrants poured into India. These hunting and herding peoples, originally from Central Asia, gradually converted to agriculture, extending farming from the Indus River Valley to the more fertile Ganj Basin. The Aryans used iron tools to clear away the dense vegetation. The Aryans developed a series of literary epics, initially passed on orally and later written down. The sacred books were called Vedas from the Sanskrit for the Sanskrit word Veda or knowledge. The first epic, the Rig Veda, consists of a thousand twenty-eight hymns dedicated to the Aryans gods and composed by various priests. New stories developed during the Epic Age between a thousand and six thousand BCE, including the Mahabharata. India's greatest epic poem, and the Ramayana, both of which deal with the real and mythical battles. These epics reflected a more settled agricultural society and better organized political units than the Rig Veda. The Epic Age also saw the creation of the Upanishads, epic poems with a more mystical flavor. The vital role of priests, but also the generation of increasingly abstract religious ideas formed central themes in this formative period of Indian history. Aryan ideas and social forms became increasingly influential. As they settled into agriculture, the Aryans encouraged tight levels of village organization that became characteristic of indian history village chiefs drawn from leaders of the various Aryan tribes organized village defenses and regulated property relationships among families in turn patriarchal controls and tight extended family relationships among grandparents parents and children solidified the local base of indian society as we will see, the Aryans also promoted a distinctive system of social inequality, another factor in the growing social cohesion of Indian society as it moved beyond the transitional centuries. Civilization along the Huanghi Yellow River and China developed in considerable isolation, although some overland trading contact with India and in the Middle East did develop. He civilization was the subject of much later Chinese legend, which praised the godlike kings of early civilization, starting with the mythic ancestor of the Chinese, Pangu. The Chinese had an unusually elaborate concept of their remote origins, and they began, and they began early to record a part-fact, part-fiction history of their early kings. What is clear is the following. First, a well-organized state developed that carefully regulated irrigation in the fertile but flood-prone river valley. Early king sponsored a considerable network of, di- of, of canals. Second, by about 2000 BCE, the Chinese had produced an advanced technology and developed an elaborate intellectual life. They had learned how to ride horses and were skilled in pottery. They used bronze well and by 1000 BCE had introduced iron, which they soon learned to work with coal. Their writing progressed from knotted ropes to scratches of lines on bone to the invention of ideographic symbols. By 1500 BCE, at least 3000 pictographic characters had been devised. This standardized writing began began to provide some unity to the very diverse peoples assembled in this river valley kingdom, who originally spoke a wide array of languages. Science, particularly astronomy, also arose early. Chinese art emphasized delicate designs. Because of limits on building materials in the region, the Chinese did not construct many massive monuments, choosing to live in simple houses built of mud. By about 1500 BCE, a line of kings called the Shang ruled over the Huangqi Valley, and these rulers did construct some impressive tombs and palaces. Invasions disrupted the Shang Dynasty and caused a temporary decline in civilization. However, there was less of a break between the River Valley Society and the later, fuller development of civilization in China than occurred in other regions. River Valley civilization in China generated a number of features of importance for later periods. Silk manufacturing developed. Some form of ancestor worshipping began. Emphasis on a strong expansionist state, particularly under the Shang, set the basis for later Chinese politics. The Shang fought on horseback and from chariots, using conquered peoples as foot soldiers. They maintained fuller control over their armies, than was characteristic of many other early societies. Shang rulers also directed important rituals devoted to fertility. In times of famine or drought, the state provided dancers to woo the gods with their performance, and the dancers were later buried alive to calm the spirits who had caused the natural disaster. The state, in other words, took on cultural responsibilities, and this too characterized the ongoing Chinese political tradition. The collapse of the Shang Dynasty did not end the early civilization period in China. It was followed by the Zhou Dynasty, which initially came from the north, flourishing between 1029 and about 7000 BCE, although technically extending beyond this point. The Zhou ruled through alliances with landed families, lacking the means to govern the whole territory directly. This was China's feudal period, with supporters asked to provide troops and tax revenues to the central government in return for grants of land. The Zhou did introduce several innovations that would connect with later Chinese history, serving as a transition from the early civilization period to the next phase. They encouraged settlers to move south to the Yangtze River Basin. This expanded China benefited from two agricultural regions, which encouraged both population growth and trade. The Zhou emperors also claimed a mandate of heaven, divine support for their ruler, and they promoted greater cultural unity, backing the use of the Mandarin language and discouraging more primitive religious practices, including human sacrifice, and urging more restrained ceremonies for worshipping the gods oral epics and stories began to be written down, further encouraging a shared culture. The Zhou could not maintain their hold, however. After about 7000, after about 700 political fragmentation increased, with landlords disregarding the state and establishing their own power base, additional nomadic peoples migrated into China, often converting to Chinese cultures as they settled down. The new levels of disorder encouraged intellectuals to define a clear Chinese value system and ultimately would provoke a more effective attempt to introduce political unity. These were the changes that ended the early civilization period more decisively. Early civilizations in the Americas. Early civilizations emerged somewhat later in the Americas than in Asia and North Africa, in part because of agriculture had developed later. Many similarities arose with previous patterns in the Middle East or Harappa, but conditions in the Americas were somewhat distinctive. Few animals were available for domestication. Dogs, turkeys, guinea pigs, and in the Andes, llamas and alpacas comprised the full list, comprised of a list. There were simply no animals to assist with heavy transportation. American societies also developed without the use of metal, tools, metal metals for tools and weapons. Finally, contact among civilization centers was challenging in the Americas, because travel was required in a north-south direction across climate zones, again in contrast to patterns in Asia, southern Europe, and North Africa. We have seen that people began to migrate to the Americas from Asia at least by 25,000 BCE, and probably earlier. Dispersal occurred fairly quickly as small tribes fanned out in both the North and South America, and a variety of different languages emerged. These early peoples were effective hunters using Stone Age weapons, and they may have contributed to the disappearance of some large mammal species, like the mammoth, through overhunting. Recurrent debate focuses on whether after the migration period when the the Siberian land bridge disappeared, there were any exchanges with other parts of the world. Occasional contacts may have occurred, but they did not lead to extensive borrowing. Lack of knowledge of iron technology or the wheel obviously continued to condition developments in the Americas. Isolation from disease exchange would also, much later on, have profound effects for no resistance could develop to disease common to Asia, Europe, and Africa. Agriculture developed in several regions of the Americas between 7,000 and 5,000 BCE, along with new abilities in fishing. Many groups continued to combine some agriculture with hunting, but more extensive agriculture arose in Central America, around cultivation of corn, plus beans, squash, and peppers. In the Andes, the potato was also adapted for agriculture. In these centers, significant population growth occurred. More complex social and cultural forms began to emerge as well, including more elaborate artistic production. Social hierarchies included nobles and priests, as well as merchant groups. Several states arose, often from a single city center with a tribal chief as ruler. Knowledge of many early societies in the Americas is limited by lack of evidence. Some societies did not build extensive monuments, which limits surviving archaeological remains. Challenges here can be compared to problems scholars still encounter with some early civilizations elsewhere, such as Harappa. Around 1500 BCE, a group called the Olmecs established the first civilization in the Americas on a coastal area of what is now called the Gulf of Mexico. We do not know the origins of the Olmecs, and while they built upon successful village agriculture in the region, their emergence seems rather sudden. There is no question about the apparatus they introduced, irrigation for agriculture, some early cities, and the beginnings of a writing system. Olmec religion became more complex and monumental, architecture developed. Olmec capacity t- to move large stones, often for many miles, was impressive and still unexplained. Olmec statutory often involved giant sculpted heads. The Olmecs also sketched a formal calendar that became the basis for all the calendar systems in Central America. The Olmec state featured a hereditary elite. While the elaborate religion governed many aspects of life. The Olmecs traded fairly widely in the region, among other things, for precious jade stones that they valued for carving. Olmec civilization declined by about 800 BCE, although we do not know why. Cities were abandoned or destroyed, but the legacy of the Olmecs undoubtedly affected later civilizations in the region, including the Maya. Olmec science and also artistic styles proved widely influential, it is impossible to determine whether influence reflected conquest or active trade or missionary outreach, or simply admiring imitation. But while several complex societies would later emerge in this region, for a few centuries after the Olmecs, no large organizations seem to have developed. The geography of the Andes presented both challenges and opportunities. The rugged terrain complicated transportation, but different kinds of agriculture could develop at different levels, encouraging some regional trade. Farmers could grow corn in the lower valleys while potatoes and quinoa grew higher up, and llamas were pastured in higher altitudes still. Between 800 and 1200 BCE, a more complex society began to emerge. Irrigation was introduced, and large ceremonial structures were built along the coast. Pottery making expanded. Most important early centre was the chauvin de Jontar in the highlands of what is now Peru. Chauvin contains several large temple, temple platforms and an active craft population, working in jewelry, textiles, and ceramics. Chauvin artistic styles and religious beliefs spread widely in the region. Jaguars and snakes were common artistic themes, along with frequent scenes of violence. Some style resembled those of the Olmecs, leading to some speculation that both peoples may have had a common origin in the Amazonian lowlands. But, as with the Olmecs, much is not known, including the nature of the wide regional influence. Chauvin's decline had occurred by about 300 BCE, and there followed a long period of political decentralization in the Andes. Agriculture continued to develop, however, and population grew. Despite localized government, artistic production remained strong and creative. The End of the River Valley Period The river valley societies were widely separated, although they had trading contacts with their neighbors and, in the case of the Middle East and North Africa, an occasional military encounter. With this separation, it is not surprising that there was no single development or even a single century to signal the transition away from the River Valley period. The decline of the Olmecs, for example, seems to have been abrupt amid circumstances that remain unclear. It had nothing to do with developments in other early civilization centers. Patterns in China were distributed in a different way. The replacement of the Shang Dynasty by the Zhou led to important new developments, but it was the faltering of the Zhou Dynasty and cultural and then political reactions to growing disorder that really ended the early period of Chinese civilization. But there was no full or decisive break, just a more gradual accumulation of basic changes. The end of the River Valley period in northwestern India was also more decisive, given the gradual but conclusive decline of Harappan society. Migrating and invading Indo-European peoples even ignored agriculture for many, socii- for many for many centuries, relying on animal herding. In the process, most traces of Harappan civilization became a dim memory. A few symbols remained, including the mother goddess and yoga positions. So did certain artistic images. Agricultural techniques, including the growing of cotton, were not abandoned, and the Indo-Europeans ultimately took them over. But with the passing of Harappa, a decisive new period in Indian history clearly began. A different set of developments took place in the Middle East and North Africa. In Egypt, we have seen that the power of the pharaohs began to weaken by around 1000 BCE. Invasions, including from other African peoples in the south, became more common. At times, the kingdom was divided in half. After 500 BCE, Persian, then Greek, then Roman invasions effectively brought... An end to Egypt's independence. In the Middle East, the patterns of outside invasion continued to 1000 BCE and even beyond. As before, the new states tended to adopt Mesopotamian culture and legal reforms. Around 1,100 invasions by an Assyrian ruler were marked by unusual cruelty, including mass execution and the deporting of civilian population, populations, but the Assyrians did not maintain consistent control, although parts of the empire revived periodically. This inconsistency in the decline of Egypt allowed the formation of a number of smaller states for several countries around 1,000 BCE. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode two of this podcast where we covered the early civilizations from 3500 to 600 BCE. Um, And I can't wait to see you next weekend for uh, episode three. All right, have fun and stay learning, you guys. Bye.